Welcome to CarePod, a safe place to educate, inspire, and renew the caregiver. Listen in with our host, Dr. Kipley Bell, as she interviews different experts along the caregiving journey. So I'm really excited because I met a gentleman that I'm here with in the CarePod today. His name is Eric Franklin. And we recently had an impactful caregiving event for local caregivers just to begin the conversation, which sometimes it's hard just to begin the conversation around caregiving and tapping into the needs of caregivers and understanding exactly uh, what our pain points are, both as individuals, as families, uh, as communities, understanding what the questions are and the needs are to ask of both professional clinicians and the caregivers alike, community caregivers. So as you all know, I'm a big proponent of demystifying the fact that the caregiver, the professional caregiver, the doctor, the nurse practitioner, the physician assistant, the nurse, every level of the healthcare team is is not separate from the patient. The patient are not separate from ourselves. So I, so after this event, I met this man who is with us. His name is Eric Franklin. And he just touched my soul so because he shared with me that oftentimes the men are not included or they feel you know, excluded from these types of events. We focus on the women and the caregiving that women suffer, if you will, for lack of a better word. And he really helped open my eyes to the need and emphasis that we have to devote to the men, the men in our lives as partners, as husbands, as brothers, as grandpa, as fathers, as neighbors, as teachers. Also, particularly touched me because I have sons. So understanding now the the pain point that the man feels. I say all of that to say, welcome to the care pod, Mr. Franklin. I'm so thankful to Thank you. have you welcome. and to have you share your story. So tell us a little bit about yourself. We're, we're international in the care pod. So this is heard uh, internationally. So okay. just tell us about yourself. Okay. So I um, live in Willingboro, New Jersey. I'm a deacon at my local church. Um, I do take care. I do take care of my mother. Okay. I'm married. There's no children in the house at the moment. They're all grown children and out of the nest. I just have the one daughter. Matter of fact, but she has two very rambunctious sons. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm just like every other, you know, gentleman. I'm hardworking, active in my church. And this past year, this particular year, one of the more challenging years of my life because one I do take care of my mother secondly my wife's father also came to live with us under hospice care and those two events combined was like I mean very stressful okay it really challenged me my wife this household because we like I said we I take care of my mother who does require care now, physically, she's healthy, but she suffers from dementia. But when my father-in-law came, he mentally, he was as strong as a horse, but physically his body was failing. So it was like two opposite sides of the coin 
On mm-hmm. one side is I have to deal with, with my mother's diminishing mental capacity. On the other side, helping my wife deal with her father's diminishing physical capacity. Let me stop you there. Mm-hmm. Let's let's unpack that. Okay. Tell us tell us about your mom. I always like to ask my care pod guests about their why. So tell us about your mom. Tell us about your father-in-law and tell us about not a woulda, shoulda, coulda, but what are some things in hindsight that you would have put into place had you known this year was coming? Because I think that's kind of the intersection and where we become caregivers and in terms of preparation, there's some things that we just cannot prepare for. But both in your relationship, in individually, as a son, as a husband. So that's a lot of questions in one. But I really, I really want to go in there because the wives are listening, the sisters are listening. <laughs> okay. Do interrupt me because um if I get stuck on a particular point, okay. You know, short circuit me if you need to. Um, but to start, my mother, okay, 79 years young. Okay. Mother of four children. Myself, I'm the oldest, two brothers and a daughter. And so at the time that this was brought to my attention, my sister who actually noticed the change in my mother. Now, my mother was living in a senior community up in uh, Patterson, some 90 minutes away from here. My mother at that time, she was helping to take care of one of her um, grandbabies, babysitting one of the grandbabies. And my sister would come by, you know, and help and watch and make sure my mom had everything she needed. My sister had noticed that mom was starting to forgetting things. And to, to make a long story short, she had took her to see a neurologist and not a neurologist, but well, yeah, a neurologist and had all the tests taken and was determined that she was at the beginning stages of, you know, dementia. Okay. So my sister kept me on notice about that. She would go visit my mom, do memory exercises with her. She had to stop watching the grandbaby, but then it came to a point where she had to, well, she could not live by herself anymore. She just was not able to function by herself unattended anymore. She was forgetting too many things. My sister was not going to be able to watch after her anymore because she was getting married and moving out of state. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, my other two brothers, they actually live in Tennessee. So I was the closest um, and being the oldest, of course, she reached out to me first. You know, mm-hmm. she said, hey, this is going on. I'm getting married. I'm going to be moving. Somebody needs to watch out for mom. Um, can you find some place for her to stay, you know, some kind of assisted living or nursing home or whatever? Looking at all the options financially, it was not doable. She had no resources. I had no real resources to put her in any kind of medical facility, nursing home or anything like that. And so let, um, let, me, other- let me stop you right there again. When because we we also t- speak a lot about caregiver roles. So did you sit with your family? Did you sit with your siblings and say, well, clearly you took the mantle. So, you know, you've taken the baton, but was there ever a moment where you had those difficult conversations among the siblings to say, I'm going to handle the paperwork. This one's going to handle the actual living arrangements, which is yourself or it did it just happen so fast and furious? And and is there anything that you would change there? It kind of happened fast and furious at when my sister told me that she was going to be leaving and that put a, a time crunch on it. 
I knew my other two brothers were not going to be helpful at this point. One of them had just gotten out of a bad relationship. He was living by himself. He had his own issues. He was not going to be able to take care of anyone. My other brother, the one closest to me, he his life was more together. But I had visited him just a few years prior to that. I went vacation to watch, see where he was at and what he was doing. His lifestyle at that point would not have been congruent for my mother to, to, to stay with him. Neither one of them had much as a way of finances either. Mm -hmm. I was the only one who came even close to being able to be able to provide any kind of resources to help mom. And um, wow. she had to be out of the house kind of kind of quick. So I discussed it with my sister and let her know what was going to happen. At the time, I was living in an apartment. It was my wife, her daughter. We had a two-bedroom apartment. I can't leave my mom out there. I got to do something. And I talked to my sister and said, well, she'll have to come with us. We don't have money for anything else. Unfortunately, she would have to stay basically on our couch. So, you know, I had to make arrangements with dad. I had to get a, um, a pull-out couch for her and everything. But I said, we were going to make this work because someone needed to be there with her. At the time, my wife was not working. I, I was. Of course, all this was, was pre-pandemic. She came to us about 2015. So she's okay. been with us for a while. First, she, she was very highly functional. She, we would take her with us. She would help us to, um, go clean because we would clean the church every, every week. She would help us with that. You know, she was still able to follow directions and whatnot. And it, after she came to stay with us, you know, it, it was fine and okay. The biggest change that I had to make, and even if I had full warning, it would have still been, I don't think I would still be able to do anything different because I had to do for myself. I had to do a change of mindset. I had so to stop tell, looking. Tell me, yeah. Tell me about that. Tell me about that. Because, because my, my, my mom was a, was a strong woman. Okay. Mm -hmm. She did. She took charge of things. She solved problems. She took care um, at, at her local church. She took care of the children doing services and whatnot. She actually became a head of that department. She just loved watching the kids and whatnot. Growing up, my father had passed away when we was younger. So she was raising all four of us on her own. Okay. But from our perspective, I mean, she was, she was, she stood the challenge. She took care of us and, and we grew up and, and all you saw was the strong ones. And, but then when she came and I saw this, my mom, this strong woman, the one who got me into the habits that I have now, because she got me into reading because she was a reader. Every time she was reading something, and I'm like, you know, I'm real small. I'm thinking five, five, five or six years old. And I said, like, she's always reading. So I started, that's when I started reading. I just caught that reading bug from her, but to see her now and she doesn't read anything. As a matter of fact, by the time she came to us, she literally would not really read much. She came with some books and whatnot. I would try, hey, mom, you can read your books and whatnot. But, but that was not happening for her anymore. So how, did, that, how was, have you adjusted to that? Because I, I, I identify with that. I, my own mother being this retired nurse midwife, fully educated in medicine, helped so many people. And, you know, I have to battle with her on very basic tasks that I feel as a nurse, she knows better, but then I've had to adjust my mindset. So that is, mm -hmm. that is key because it, you know, it helps your irritability as a caregiver, you know, but it's a very difficult thing as a child of your aging loved one to say, this is who this person is right now. 
and this is what I have. And so I have to honor this person as they are now, not as what I want them to be or who I knew them to be. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's pretty deep. Like, tell me, you know, it was my husband and kind of is my husband that gets me there oftentimes to remind me, no, I know you want her to be this, but this is who she is. So, you know, tell me about the conversation with your wife, you know, upon making that decision with your sister and then that intersection into into the household. Okay. So at that point, when I did speak um, to my wife and let her know what was going on, I had told her all the options that I had considered and the best things that, and the best that, that we could do, the situation that my sister had. And at the point, at that time, you no, know, she would, she was do what you do got to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. She, as a matter of fact, she, this is the second marriage for her. Okay. okay? And her previous marriage, her mother-in-law had dementia. So wow. she kind of went through it already. Already. How okay? about that? So she saw the progression of it. Did end up putting her into a nursing home. She did see the changes in her mother-in-law, I guess, from the time that they, from when they first met till the time of her disease and so this was not new to her i could see in her eyes just like something she really didn't want to have to deal with again yeah she saw changes in her mother-in-law that she did not like and then that comes back to me because my wife supports me i I know that okay Mm -hmm. but some things that that she's just not really going to do but she'll, she'll help she'll do what needs to be done but for myself i had to really change my mindset seeing my mom who was a strong woman suddenly become dependent and in this case it was kind of gradual like i said she came to us in 2015 and she was still i mean you, you could see the differences but I, I went out i did my research i went out i read some books i looked at some articles um there's one book in particular i don't remember the name of right now I read from cover to cover of a, of a man who wrote this book, how he dealt with his wife and the different stages that he went through with his wife during her phase of, of dementia. For me, I think that was better than reading something from a, a woman's point of view or a clinician's point of view. He was dealing with his, his wife and watching how she was, what she was becoming and how he had to deal with it and, and the steps that he had to take. Yeah. So what I, so I, this is where I want to get to. What is the difference? Is it the classic, you know, uh, what is it? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus or however the book is. I, I can't forgive me the quote, but is it that we're more apt to be emotional and share our vulnerability? You know, what is it? What resonated with you from that book you read that said, you know what, this is it. This is, a man speaking to my heart in my current state right now? Like, what are we missing? I guess I'm trying to get to. Because what he did was, okay, he knew because he loved his wife, he knew he had to make changes in himself to take care of his wife. Okay. Mm -hmm. He had to change his mindset from what was from being taken care of to taking care of her. And Mm -hmm. me being a son, being a son, not a husband, and I'm and I have to look at my mom. I have to change my mindset from okay, she used to take care of me. Now I have to take care of her. And I'm trying to think what's the best way for me as her son to do it. 
for me, it probably would have been easier for me if it was a, if my father, for example, but this is my mother. And I know somewhere down the line, I'm going to have to start really taking intimate care of her, you know? Gotcha. Meaning gotcha. that, you know, I'm going to end up having to dress her, undress her, wash her, mm -hmm. even though my wife Hygiene. is there. Mm -hmm. But she, mm -hmm. she made me, my wife said, well, you know, I'll help, but you know what? Take care of your mom. It was, it was that fact and also the fact that her condition is going to is not going to improve. It's going to degenerate over time. And I have to mentally prepare myself for that, knowing that I'm not raising a child who will learn and grow, but someone who was at the top of the mountain and then is coming down. And I mean, gotcha. you can teach as much as you want. You can repeat stuff as much as you want. But according to the books and the statistics, they might catch something for a little while, but then that too will fade away. And it's different from patient to patient. But the bottom line is that you have to prepare yourself that eventually you're going to end up taking total care of that person. Tell me how that mindset is gender specific. Because we all say, right, that we have to adjust our mindset. We have to deal with our aging loved ones as they are. We have to come to the realization that it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse for us. And in the demented state, not really worse for them because they're really, they're, they are shielded, their changing brain is shielded from the pain of the loss in a way, I would say. So, so tell me how, how those narratives are different as a man. It's different because, you know, I grew up, you know, to be the, be the manly man, you know, you got to take charge, you got to be strong, you can't show weakness and, and all of this stuff. But mm -hmm. then you're confronted with a situation you've never dealt with before. And this, you know, he-man attitude of I can do everything literally has to go out the window because at, at certain points you just can't. You can't yeah. do it all by yourself as much mm -hmm. as you want to. I mean, because at the beginning, I didn't tell nobody. Well, my mom was living with us, but they didn't know that, that she had something that was going to make her worse. On the outside, you could talk to her and she would give you rehearsed platitudes. Hi, I'm good. How you doing? Uh, but mm -hmm. if you try to engage her in conversation, she will be either quick to deflect or she will mm -hmm. just smile at you and say, uh-huh. Okay. And you would never know it unless you actually try to have a conversation with her. And I've seen her going from being able to construct full sentence to now she really can't get her thoughts out. Mm -hmm. Her sentences come out. They're sounding totally random. But I have to deal with that in such a way that one of the things I have, I'm not going to let my mother fall into depression. I'm not going to have that happen. Mm -hmm. If I mm -hmm. have to act fool in front of her to keep her feeling happy, to keep, to make her feel loved, to make sure that she doesn't feel like that's what I will do and go on from, you know, yeah, he man kind of, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I gotta be straight and cool too. I gotta play the fool for my mom. Because I love my mom that much to change my mindset to make sure that I take care of her the best way that I can. Yeah. And, and I mean, and that's, uh, it speaks to the strength of the family unit. It speaks to the type of wife that and woman that you have, especially gone through this now a second time. And it is a strain, it, you know, to, to have real talk. It's a strain. You say that you want to shield your mom against those negative emotions as much as possible. How are you coping with your own? How are you coping? You know, what are your stress outlets 
an emotional outlet so that your mental health stays intact? So for me, and and I mean, I, I, I can only give God the glory for this because we had, uh, in the past two years, we had recently gotten our own house. And that became my project. That became my outlet for any for all of my stresses because there was a room in the house that needed to be totally renovated. I poured all of my physical and emotional energy into that when I'm not taking care of my mom, because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm physically building something. I'm hammering and gluing and, and, and moving equipment and thinking and about all this cost this <laughs> much and, and how I'm going to design this and whatnot mm-hmm. to take my mind off of everything else and pour mm-hmm. it into something else. So mm-hmm. that when I come back to deal with, with my mom, the issues that go, go with her, that I can focus on that, you know, without any emotional baggage, let's put it that way, that I've already, you know, taken care of it, or I know that I'll be able to switch over into something else so Mm -hmm. that I don't feel totally stressed out, that I have something else, that I have a different avenue to pour my emotions or physicality into. Mm -hmm. And because at the time that we got her house, by the time that we got our house, my mom's um, mental condition was really starting to fade faster. And so, I mean... I had to tell my wife all the time and remind myself all the time that, no, she's not going to get better. She's not who she used to be. This is the easy part compared to what's going to happen later. Mm -hmm. Don't stress out over the small things because save your energy for what's really going to happen later on when you really have to either make big decisions or big changes in what's coming down. Okay. You know what? That is, that's really good. That mm-hmm. is, I got to pause right there. Cause that, that is really profound right there because I am definitely guilty of going from zero to 50 in a minute in terms of the extremes of emotion. You know, how are we just having a lovely day and now you're on the floor, you know, what is happening? How did this happen? You know, and that's really a, a profound statement to not because, only understand your person mm-hmm. and honoring them who they are right now, but also understanding that that progression is going to require more of you later. That is really, that's good, Mr. Exactly. Franklin. And so every day I go, every day I have to go with the attitude. Otherwise, stuff will become just overwhelming because I'm seeing behaviors I've never seen before. Mm-hmm, I have mm-hmm. to do more than I've ever done before. And if you're a child taking care of a parent, unfortunately, because you were trained by, by those parents that are young, don't do this, don't look at this, be careful of this and whatnot. And one of the things is, oh my God, I'm going to have to see my mom naked. She told me, she, I got beaten once because of a small accident that wasn't even my fault because mm-hmm. something happened. But now I have to purposely help undress her. I have to purposely take care of her hygiene. I have to personally do that stuff. And, and that kind of wars within you because yeah. you never expect something like that to happen. That's mm-hmm. why I say it, it would be easier if it was my pops, for example, because man, okay, great. But this mm-hmm. is my mom. It's like, mm-hmm. so like the first few times, it's like was really tough on me to do that. But I had mm-hmm. to get over it because this is my mom. I got to take care of her, you know? Because my wife mm-hmm. be at work, I have to do it, okay? So mm-hmm. she's not there to do that. I have to take mm-hmm. care of that. I have to take mm-hmm. care of those personal needs when she gets up, when she goes to bed. Being mindful of what she's able to do that day and what she's not able to do. What is it tomorrow that might be different? What skills sets might suddenly disappear? 
things like that. All those little things, they can, they can really start weighing on you. And, and my wife, God bless her soul, um, she would tell me, did your mom used to do this? What is this behavior going on? What do you want me to do? Because she don't want to step out on her toes. She don't want me to get angry or upset about something. And I have to tell her, don't sweat the small stuff. You mm -hmm. just can't. Because this, is, this isn't even the hard part. Mm -hmm. We haven't mm -hmm. reached the hard part yet. Because mm -hmm. when, when we really reach the hard part, how I'm going to act, I don't know. But I'm yeah. stealing myself for that time when, you know, when, when what happens when she forgets that she can't even eat. Now I have to start feeding her. That she's not able to just get up and go to the bathroom. Now I literally have to pick her up and maybe carry her to the bathroom or, or give her assistance to go to the bathroom. I have to stand and help her take a shower or something like that. I'm sorry if the details get... No, no, no. I mean, this is but real, this yeah. Is the stuff that sons don't really look forward to as far uh -huh. as their elderly parents. Mm -hmm. Everyone, the, the ideal is, okay, your parents get older, they have their own place or, or whatever, they pass away, you put them in the ground, yeah. You, you mm -hmm. never think that you're going to be taking care of them. And you never mm -hmm. think you're going to be taking care of them in such an intimate way. And and, and that has that changed, I want to say changed your view of your mother, or has it created another level of a new bond in this space, if you will? You know, having to do tasks that you didn't expect to do, do you feel like it's created a, a deeper level of connection? Yeah, it has. It has helped mm -hmm. me to appreciate more of what she had to go through when I was a baby, when she was raising us. The situation, of course, is a little different, but then I have to appreciate all the stuff that she had to go through when she was raising us, bathing us, feeding us, preparing us for the day, teaching us for whatever life had for us as, as we go forward. And she had to do it for all four of the kids and during the second half, of, of our childhood by herself because my father wasn't there anymore. And now I, I remember all of that and I just put all of my love and effort into that. My mom did this for me when I was not able to. I'm mm -hmm. going to do this for her because she's not able to. This is me giving back to my mom, even though she might, even though she's not going to remember it, even if she's not going to be able to recognize it, I will. I'm going to treat my mom the best way I can with the resources that I have because I love her. She did for me when I couldn't, I'm going to do for her when she can. And I'm not going to worry about everybody else. I'm going to worry about the person who gave me life, the st my start in life. I'm going to help her with what's left of her life and do the best that I can to keep her as happy as possible for as long as I can, making sure that she doesn't have any wants or cares and just mm -hmm. to keep it going as long as I can. So tell me there, you know, that is always even, I think when I visualized or anticipated I or realized I should say that this was the trajectory, that this was the writing on the wall, probably about 10 years ago now, roughly, you know, my only prayer in life and to this day has been, let me be able, just let me be able, Lord, let me have the resources. Let me have the strength. Let me have the sound of mind. Let me have the patience, the kindness, the love to honor this woman that really 
and I resonate with you, would there's nothing that I would have achieved been anything in my life had it been not for her sacrifice and the grace of God. So that being said, what would you say to the caregiver that needs grace to say, you know what, like they, they just can't, they're like your sister or they're like your brother, that life circumstances do not lend to them being able to put their parents in the home with them or to, and, and now are dealing with caregiver guilt to have to put them in to a facility or, you know, simply just cannot for whatever circumstance, you know, how do we kind of take the stigma of get of guilt off of that caregiver to say, you're still able to, you're still honoring your aging loved one the way you can best. So that I would say, if you're doing, if you've given all that you had, if you've given everything that you could and your resources don't allow you to go any further, be thankful for what you've been able to do and not the things that you can't do. Don't mm -hmm. sweat the small stuff. Take care of the stuff that you can. Let God take care of the rest because mm -hmm. you can't do something about anything that you have no control over. And, now, and that's, so that's would you say you've given your siblings that grace? You know, where, what is their role now and how are they supporting you in this regard? Well, at this, at this point, my brothers aren't, really doing anything mm -hmm. when i reached out to them before my mom reached this point you gotta call and talk with your mom yeah come and visit at least one more time before things get too bad and she won't remember you at all neither one of them did and so at this point i said you know just stay where you're at because if you came up to see her now and she hasn't seen you in like the past you know five years eight years except by video a couple of times She's not going to know who you are. She mm -hmm. didn't remember her when a couple of years, a few years ago when her best friend passed and they were thick as thieves. They, they were like Thumb and Louise. They did almost everything <laughs> together. When she mm -hmm. passed and my, and my sister told me and she sent me a picture of, of my mom's BFF. Like, hey, mom, do you, do you, you remember that? Do you remember Sylvia? She was, she was your best friend. She looked at the pictures that I, I didn't, I'm, no, mm. I don't. I don't. And for me, I'm kind of heartbroken for her because right. she don't remember her very bestest friend that they did everything together. Literally, they worked at the same place. She took her. She because my mom don't drive. She would take her to food shopping and 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 outings or or to various events or whatever. My mom saw uh, saw her when she got married, when she got divorced, when she had kids. You know, literally saw her entire life, but not remember her at all i say that because as far as anyone else including my, my brothers my sister she 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 remember her probably not as her daughter but as someone who comes to visit now okay because my sister makes an effort to come and visit uh, um at least once a month now okay because it's a long drive from where she's at to get to get here so i don't regret begrudge her that but at least she's making an effort to see it my brothers don't so at this point, their contribution is negligible. Negligible. They still don't mm -hmm. have any finances to help with anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. They haven't reached out to even you know, speak speak with her or or anything. Only my mm -hmm. sister has, has you know made that effort to come and at least spend time with her. My sister understands the situation, so she knows that even when she comes, that she might not recognize her as a daughter. 
or she'll come spend time with spend time with her, take her out to um lunch or or, or breakfast or something, take mm -hmm. her to do a little bit of shopping, give her a few things and whatnot. Other other than that, my mom is literally just living day to day. Yeah. That, that's just day to day. Every day is literally a new day for her. And so for her, I have to treat each day as a new day. If she remembers something, day. I rejoice with her about it. If she doesn't, yeah. I don't begrudge her or berate her. But you just did this yesterday. I don't do mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't raise my voice at her unless it's in jest or it's, it's having fun with her. Understanding now, that maybe she doesn't every, understand everything that I'm saying. But mm -hmm. I keep my voice and intonation light, happy, mm -hmm. positive, mm -hmm. as much as possible. Keep all as much negativity out as, as, as I can. So that when mm -hmm. I deal with her, all she sees is this happy fat boy, you know, who's spending time with her, you know, who may be joking with her, not beating her up because she's not putting her sentences together or because she couldn't remember to brush her teeth and not wash the sink with the toothbrush. Mm, and I'm like, yeah, okay, mom, don't not not don't do that, okay? Mm -hmm, uh, let mm -hmm. me let me fix that up for you here. Just 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 brush your teeth, and I say, you don't do that. You can't be doing no. Sometimes. So how difficult. how do you handle? Yeah, how do you handle the negative emotions? You know that have to creep up just because we're all human. Even when processing with your wife regarding the lack of help you are receiving or not receiving really from your siblings, et cetera. In my case, my church, my church and my relationship with God is what helps keep me from going over the edge, knowing that my help comes from God. When I go to church, I get into the service. I get into the glory of God. I get into the praise. I get into the worship to mm -hmm. let loose any emotions that I might have and put them into God's hands, asking God to refresh me daily. Because mm -hmm. without that daily refreshing, I mean, I could fall into the negativity as much. I'm tired of doing this. I don't want to do this every day. Same thing every day. But I can't do that. I just can't. Right, so right. My, Like I said, my emotions, I deal with it with projects. My soul, I deal with, with God, my church helps, my pastors understand because I told my bishop everything that was going on with mom, A, if, if I miss the service, it's because, you know, I have to take care of my mom first, okay? If something's going on, I have to deal with my mom first because I literally don't know how much time that she might have. Um, from, what I as, from what I understand of the disease, it can attack any parts or different parts of the brain randomly. My biggest fear is that it would, I don't know how true it is, but then it might attack, you know, the the central nervous system, her, her autonomic system, let's put it that way. Then it might jump in there somehow and, and it'll just stop her heart or she'll stop remembering how to breathe, things like that. Those are my biggest fears. I just hope that, um, don't want to sound more than that. When my mom passed, she passed asleep, passes away peacefully. in her mm -hmm. bed peacefully. Mm -hmm not through any kind of trauma or anything that, you know, that would any distress. Her, just, you know, just go to sleep and just, mm -hmm. and then that's it. I okay. get it. I um, get and, that. And, and that's, and that's, and that's what I hope for my mother. But until mm -hmm. such time, trusting in God, the help of my church family 
the tools that God has equipped me with, because I believe he was kind of preparing me for this for a while. I just didn't know it because all of the different skills, all of the different emotional cues that I, that I see and learn how to deal with from dealing with children, from other adults, remembering those lessons that, that, that have been taught to me without even realizing that there were lessons being taught to me and putting all of that to work. Not so so let's talk about that. What what have been your transferable life skills? And and a follow-up to that, I really want to know what is your favorite book? Besides, I I you probably say the Bible, maybe, but besides what is your uh, you know, you you say your mom instilled this wonderful gift of reading into you. What would you say, okay, so your transferable life skills, your favorite book, and I want to know how, you know, have you thought about ways to bring books to life now for her because she can't comprehend to sit and read for herself? So have you thought about visual ways to bring books to life for her um, in your day-to-day interaction? So 4.1, transfer transferable skills. I think one of the biggest ones is my ability to listen and watch and learn. Because without those, I would never really notice any of the small changes before a big change hits. So so like that's one of them right there. Taking care mm-hmm. of a household, being able to, you know, take care of her, uh, her personal hygiene for her, keeping her room clean, all of the, the usual household stuff, okay, mm-hmm. which, you know, mm-hmm. more men are catching on to now, but wasn't really taught when you were younger. You know, go out, make the money, bring it home, have a mm-hmm. wife to, you know, take care of everything else. Mm-hmm. But I have many points in my life where I lived by myself and had to take care of myself, learning how to clean, wash your clothes, you know, take care of your bed linens and, and all of that stuff, okay? But like I said, the, the biggest one being able to watch and see what's going on with my mom, being able to re- to react or act, trying to keep everything as positive as possible, even during the times when I don't feel like being positive, <laughs> okay? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And for that love of reading, I have read so many books since I caught that that reading reading book, okay? But I did discover that the books that I did like to read most were those that took me someplace else that I would, that an author is able to put words into a book and take my mind someplace other than where I'm at. So science fiction books, war stories, airplanes. I I just love that stuff. And like, I think the, the, the best book that I've read actually was a couple of them, but it's a book by Rod, Rod, Robert Jordan. It's actually mm. um, a series, and it's a series of um, books, okay? And mm. the, the title escapes me right now. But I would take those books because one of because he wrote prolifically, let's put it this way. His books range like over a 1,000 pages. But mm. the way he wrote them is such that he took you to a totally different world. And I got lost in those books and I just couldn't wait for the next one in the series to come out. And so things like that. So, um, of course, um, of course that made it easier for me to read, you know, like my school books and everything else, you know, cause mm-hmm. I was a reader out 
able to read through stuff like that. Oh, you finished already? Oh yeah, that that was simple. You know, he you should try mm-hmm. reading this one. I ain't reading no book that be any pictures in it. No, there's no pictures in that. You gotta use your imagination. So that helps uh-huh. with my imagination because especially the books that were like sci-fantasy or, or fantasy, you know, and if they're well written, they will take you to a totally different world. People will say, will say, I was so much into a book, I didn't even know what was going on around me. Like, wow, well, that's a good so book. So look at that. I mean, so <laughs> she taught you to think outside the box and now you have to lean on that in this current climate with her mm-hmm. to create right. enjoyable activities that are collective or, or interrelation, interrelational, excuse me, that she can identify with. Yeah, amazing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, she has raised an amazing son. You, ha- you are honoring her now and I, I applaud you. I, you know, Mr. Franklin gave me a, a call order to bring forth the men, bring forth the clinician men, the other, you know, community of men to really have further and further conversations, you know, independent of kind of the women leading the charge. And I think that that is, is important because we need our men. We need your perspective. And also, you know, we're not men. We don't understand uh, the pain points and the silent pain, I think, uh, the silent screams of men, uh, I think is what most, most touched me about our conversation after the recent caregiving event we held and has sat with me since then. You know, like I said, being thankful to have a husband that's standing with me through this and is oftentimes the one at home to lift my mother up off the floor or to identify changes in behavior or things that might be concerning for us finding ways to bring it to me that he knows I'm not I'm not going to respond well to because I'm you know I'm emotionally connected you know so it's it's deep it's very very important conversation and I really really appreciate you reminding me and giving me the charge to to go there because and you taking this leadership role in the community to say, hey, listen, I'm going through this. So I think bringing these issues to light and having these important conversations are so important. So anything that I might not have asked that you'd like to share with our CarePod audience? You still didn't tell me your, you said you said you love sci-fi and fantasy and things that take, take you to another world, but you didn't name it. You didn't give me your favorite book. Okay. Um. Now, now I remember. Um. The the, the book. It's a series of books. The, the the title book is called "The Wheel of Time" by Robert Jordan. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So the first, the, the very first book that I read, because I looked at it, because it, it was it was a thick book. I said, "Good Lord!" So by that time, you know, I I was taking the bus going back and forth to work, and I, of course, me being a reader, I had to have a book with me for those last times. I started reading mm-hmm. that and he literally took me to another world with that with that series of books. I mean, there's an entire community around that book now, The Wheel of Time. And okay. I have every book in that collection. And plus there's other what they call a compendium that explains the world. They got maps of it. They explain the characters. They explain about all the different intricacies in the um in the series. And it's is definitely not a children's book. 
is something for you. You got to really have kind of an intellect when you're reading that. But when you read it, it will literally take you away from your current circumstance because you just got to know what's going to happen next. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And he gives mm -hmm. you a wealth of material to keep you busy for years. And, and, it, and it literally has. Um, wow. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So I, you know, I have to ask, are you taking care of yourself? Are you doing your health maintenance, getting your prostate check, getting the colonoscopy, you know, doing your due diligence? Cause I hear a lot, you know, men don't like to come see the doctor. <clears throat> so, um, you know, before my mom came to look, yes, I was doing that. Cause I job, I got, I got a good health plan. And I was getting all my different screenings done and so forth. But then when my mom came, the, the time kind of went out the window because okay. now it's not just me. Now I have to look after her health care needs as well. Her doctor's appointments, her medications and whatnot. Um, so I haven't been able to go and get my proper screenings the way that I have to. I believe I'm due for a colonoscopy at this point. I've been letting my weight go because I haven't been hitting the gym, so to speak, to, to doing my cardio cardio or, or strength training. And I've been putting on a few pounds because I've been putting it off while I'm using the excuse of taking care of my mom. Not excuse, but, you know, but I got to take care of my mom. But, you know, still not taking care of myself as, as well as I should because then, oh, what I'm going to feed her for dinner, what I'm going to feed her for breakfast. Mm -hmm. I got to get this done. I got to get that done, so forth and so on. I still got to go to work. My wife has to go to work. We're the only two breadwinners in the house. There's, there's nobody else here. So... Between the two of us, we have to split things and whatnot. But then that's after the health fair that, that you gave. I, at that point, I was thinking, oh, well, I need, we need one for the men. Because I was there. I saw what was going on. It was mostly women. And I said, <laughs> okay, I mean, I mean, I got some good information. But it's like, I don't want to say it's woman-centric, but it's mostly women there. So I said, I really want to push to have one for the men. That's, yeah. And, I'm, and I'm I want to make it yeah. men Centric women can come. I hear support you. Support the man, see what he needs to do. But for the man to come in and see, okay, dudes, you got to have this stuff done because you are a dude. You got to have these tests, these screenings. Why you got to have this? Why you got to take these medications? What, how your heart issues are different from a woman's, you know, things like, well, as much information as possible. I know it, it might be only a day. It would be great if I could do a couple of days or even a series of it. Because men, they, they, they just let everything else take over and let their health go downhill. You know, well, they're, I'm, they're I'm not really, so strong anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really, it's important. It's important. So we're going to, uh, you know, I'm going, I'm held accountable because we're out here now. I'm on the podcast saying it. We're at our Facebook saying it, our private group. So we are definitely going to have male clinicians, health screen fair, and then some important conversations and directives. We, we must do that because honestly, the men are the leaders. You're the leaders of the home. You're the leaders in the community. And we need to give you the resources and the support to be able to walk in that boldly, confidently, and with good health. Yes. So. I am with you, my friends. I am with you. I'm so thankful. Thank you for joining us here on the Care Pod. And again, this is Mr. Eric Franklin, caregiver, honoring his mother who has Alzheimer's. 
and shout out to your wife who is supporting you in this walk as well. Thank you again for your time. Thank you. I very much appreciate it. Thank you for this opportunity to speak out. Thank you. Okay, great. Great information right from the source. For more information on how to caregive like a boss, check out impactfulcaregiving.com. Want to be a guest on the show? Contact us at carepod at impactfulcaregiving.com.